G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day, welcome again. Welcome to part two of our estate planning series. And, you know, last week we chatted to Tara Lukey about testamentary trusts. We're going to be talking in future weeks about some other elements to do with estate planning, specifically nominations in superannuation and that sort of thing. But today we're going to touch on something that came up in last week's episode with Tara quite a bit. We're talking about the letter of wishes. And we've got a fantastic guest by the name of Lucy Percy, who's a lawyer with Head and Heart Estate Planning. And I wanted Lucy to come on because I saw um, her post a video recently about all the things that could go into a letter of wishes. And it just made me um, make contact with Lucy and say, could you come on the show and have a chat about this? Because um, I really believe this letter of wishes is the most personal and intimate part of the estate planning process. Just to give you a brief outline as to what a letter of wishes is, it is simply a letter of instruction, if you like, of all the things that you want to say to either the executor or the guardians of your children or potentially the trustees of the trust if you've got a testamentary trust, giving them more guidance as to what you would like to see happen with your money or in certain circumstances, particularly if um, there's younger children involved. It deals with things like pet care, funeral arrangements, organ donation, specific items of jewellery perhaps or sentimental items that maybe aren't worth a lot of money or worth putting in the will but something particularly you wanted to have happen with them. It also deals with digital assets and we actually touched in that on digital assets which is things like social media accounts and that sort of thing. We touched on that with Lucy towards the end of the interview. What was great about the chat with Lucy is we wanted to talk about it in relation to three specific groups and Lucy had some great examples in relation to these groups. Younger families, so kids under the age of 18-year-old, blended families was the second group and how you might need to have some separate elements of your planning there and also finally families with older kids and how that might play out. It was a really interesting episode about giving you ideas about the way that you can approach this letter of wishes and what role it plays alongside these legal documents such as the will. I hope you enjoy the interview with Lucy Percy. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. We're here today chatting to Lucy Percy from Head and Heart Estate Planning and, and Lucy is a lawyer and she's coming to have a chat with us 
about the Letter of Wishes. How are you, Lucy? Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, great for you to be here because I um, I really feel like um, the Letter of Wishes is probably the most personal aspect of um, estate planning and I think it's the bit when when we talk about it, it's the, 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 probably the bit that people really uh, get passionate about. Mm. But before we get um, started on that, um, I would love you to tell our listeners a little bit about you personally and professionally. Thank you. Um, as you said, I'm a lawyer. I'm based in Melbourne. Um, my law firm is called Head and Heart Estate Planning. And apart from saying that, yes, I am a lawyer practicing in this area, I'm going to say that today I'm really going to talk about the heart-led aspects of this planning with my clients. So, um, you know, my personal uh, story or, you know, what's relevant here is probably that I am a really proud mum to three kids. Um, I'm very happily married. Uh, and I also have had the experience of losing my own mother when she was quite young. Um, and so right. I bring that experience to everything that's on these letters of wishes. Um, some of it is lived experience, watching my dad raise um, quite young oh, children. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully today will be a really heart-led discussion. No technical. I did listen to your episode with Tara Luki. And I'm going to piggyback off that. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. I'm going to assume, yep, that everybody knows all of the um, legal and the document side of things and let's talk about the values-based stuff. Well, I really love what you've said there about the head and heart um, uh, part of uh, the name in your business and that makes such sense because um, exactly what we are talking about really yeah. is, isn't it, that heart. Um, and we did last week in our chat with Tara, we had... Um, a great chat about testamentary trusts and the letter of wishes came up a lot mm. in that. So it's a great lead on. Yeah. Um, but obviously the letter of wishes can be used with any type of will. It doesn't have to be a testamentary trust will. In, in, in fact, I would imagine it's encouraged uh, with any type of will. But could you yeah. sort of start by telling us what you think you know, the letter of wishes really is and what type of topics it really deals with? Yeah, I think... Um... It, I think it can be anything you want it to be, which is helpful um, and not un, and a little bit unhelpful. I remember um, when I was a really junior solicitor, we used to say to clients who were doing, you know, quite a fixed fee, modest package, and, yeah. and you can add a letter of wishes. And I was thinking, yeah, but what goes in there? And I just remember even Googling letter of wishes and looking for a template and trying to buy someone else's template. Um and, you know, now what I use is actually uh, Tara Lukey's template and I have built on that um, quite significantly. Yeah. And so for me, I want people to think about, I suppose it's about control, um, money, what you would do with your money, and then also um, anything else that might be really relevant to you. Um, yeah. So I'll give you some really specific examples and I'll give two that don't fit into the, you know, the case studies we might chat about in a minute. Um, as an example, I had a client last month who uh, his father's passed away and when he dies, he said, oh, you know, who's going to look after my mum? Who would visit her? And we decided that he's going to give a friend of his, a childhood friend, $10,000 in the will. And then in the letter of wishes, we've said, this is to go and look after my mum, visit her at Christmas, go and visit oh, her. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can do anything you want with it. Just yeah. as an example. Um, yeah. Well, I, th I think this is where it gets to, isn't it? Because it really is um, 
you know, I guess you you, you spend your life um, creating the legal documents as well that yeah. go alongside the letter of wishes and they are the real mechanics, if you like. Mm. But the letter of wishes re- is really the opportunity for someone to step outside the, that legal the uh, what would yeah. we call it rigidity yeah um and actually express themselves yeah absolutely it's all of your values it's um it's your values on a page and your chance to um be reflected in the documents yeah and so um well i guess one of the the key parts of that is that it isn't legally binding is it so yeah. Yeah, that's right. Can you talk us through that part a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, care has to be taken that you are not creating a new will. And so I really will caution people from um, sitting down and doing this in isolation. We don't want a situation where someone is writing a letter of wishes that is actually possibly a new will. and um, Or in conflict. Yeah, or in conflict with your current will. So, um, you know, can I please ask you to stick to a framework where you're working with the lawyer, you've got their template, And um, in the template that Tara created and I use, we say, this is morally binding guidance only. And we understand that anything that we put in there might fail. So that gift of $10,000, the friend might take it and spend it all on a trip to Vegas and never visit the mother. Um, So, you know, you've got to hedge your bets a little bit um, with what you choose to put in there. I often say to people that, um, and again, you, you as as lawyers see probably the bad side of people at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do often say to people, you know, m- most people, if if it's written in that letter of wishes and you've personally put your um, emotions onto the page and said, you know, I really would love this to happen, yeah. um, it would have to be a pretty mean-spirited person to go against that, don't you think? Yeah, and look, I think you are right in that I'm um, sceptical and we plan for the worst. Yeah. But I also really accept if people say to me, I trust them fully, well, then, you know, you know your family yeah. better than me and um, we can only be guided by what you say. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, so when you help your clients um, with writing the letter of wishes, mm. who do you really feel that this is for in, yeah. in a lot of cases? And I guess we're going to go on to some some other examples but you know Mm. generally who are people writing the letter for for the executors and trustees primarily so whether or not you're using a testamentary trust um, there will be somebody whose job it is to manage the money in the estate and make some really key legal decisions and the benefit of leaving them directions in the letter of wishes is that we don't want to fix the will in such a way that it might be so tight and so bound up Um, We need to leave some flexibility. And so we then, you know, put meat on the bones in the letter of wishes for them. Yeah, right. And and I'm guessing that, um, uh, and again, you you probably do have experience with the other end when when Mm. the wills are being um, executed. Yeah. But um, that must be a great help for them to, you know, when they're posed with all these different challenges, actually being able to read something that says this is what was in our head, it's got to be a help, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I I did mention to you when we first chatted about this, I've got a new casual solicitor who's working with me and she actually did 10 years at Perpetual Trustees, so where people didn't have friends or family to appoint as executor or a trustee and manage the money, 
they would manage it, this company would manage it for estates. And she said that they would have, you know, one of the child's 18th birthdays and they'd all look at each other and say, oh, what would the parents have bought them? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, how much money would they have spent on them? Like, yeah. how much should we release? And she just said it was so hard making those decisions in this vacuum and with no context. So yeah. um, absolutely, I think it's, you know, a real gift that you can leave people. Oh, I think so too. Mm. Um, well, I think there's n nothing quite like um, real situations to talk about here. So mm. um, I think we, we've um, chatted before we came on about, you know, what, what are some key sort of demographics yeah. that we could chat about? And you're going to chat about uh, two or three of those. Yeah. So uh, fire away. Well, I'm going to start with myself because, you know, obviously, um, uh, you know, I suppose this is where it all started. I do a lot of planning for families at my life stage. So I have yep. kids um, from eight to two. Um, and the first thing that I do when I help a family with young kids is um, I split the letter actually into two. So I say, here's a letter for the executors and the trustees. And here's yep. a letter for the guardians, because not all of it's going to be about money. Um, money, right. Yeah. So in the letter to the executors, I say, um, these are all the things I want you to know about control, winding up my estate, whatever. And then here, uh, here's a list of all the things that I've asked the guardian to make sure are high priorities in my children's lives. And you fund all of them. Yep. And I think it's a really helpful exercise as well because, um, as you would know, people choose an amount um, to have as life insurance or they choose, yeah. you know, or they look at um, what they actually have, you know, what they might own. And I think that it's all well and good to have an expectation of what you want to happen. But if your wish list means that you need $5 million in the estate and you've only got $1 yep. million, it's helping clients reality test what would happen. So it's a helpful exercise too. And, and I would imagine, so if we're talking about a young family, mm. um, you know, so with kids in, in primary school um, and they're yet to go to secondary school, uh, the types of things that they're putting on the, on the list, are, I guess, yeah. relate to things like education, don't yeah. they? And what are some of the other things that you see people wanting to express yeah, so in my template, definitely education is there. And as an example, my husband and I have said, we haven't insured ourselves for private school education. That's a choice yep. we've made. So don't spend it all on education. Um, yep. The other topics that I put in there to prompt people are health, um, grief care. So, uh, I, you know, I always think about my family or my dad and my in-laws and they're a different generation. And so I've put in there, psychologist um i yeah. personally love taking my kids to a kinesiologist and i know that if that wasn't in there you know that generation might choose to handle that differently yeah that's right yeah so health grief care education definitely um travel uh and i actually ask the clients to think about where would they live would my kids move in yep. with the guardian would the guardian's family move into our home or would yep. we need to rent somewhere for 10 years or you know what are we doing practically where would we live um, and then we talk a little bit about respite care. And um, I also ask clients to really be specific about the ongoing relationships that they would like their kids to have with both sides of the family. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yep, yep. Because, you know, as you know, I think one of the stumbling blocks for people is thinking about who would be guardian. 
Um, and there is, you know, it, we have to be clear and we do have to choose someone and it's usually one side of the family over the other. But yeah. there is so much that we can do to make sure that they are still in the kids' lives. Yes. Um, so, yeah, definitely putting down an expectation that I would expect you to share the kids every Christmas or, um, you know, facilitate going and staying at the cousins every holidays. Um, another question that I always ask families is, I say, are either of your parents pensioners? If they live interstate, could they afford to visit your kids or do you need the trust to specifically invite the grandparents, pay, pay for their flights, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I often think this... Uh, when I've considered this with clients mm. and I'm helping just guide them with what they should put in their letter of wishes, I do often sort of think, well, if they had um, a trustee or executor mm. who was different, a different person than the guardian, yeah, they could potentially get protective of the money, couldn't they, and start saying, yeah, you keep coming to me for money and mm. um, I'm not sure if, if – um, what was intended. They would have wanted to, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think the more that that could be written out, mm -hmm. um, I've even said, uh, you mentioned about the, the $10,000 before, but I've even said to people, maybe you should consider if you're going to leave your three kids with your sister, um, yeah. probably should just give them a lump of cash yeah. <laughs> to, to say, look, um, so you. no one gets their nose out of joint because if the sister says, well, you know, I need, hundred grand per child to raise them minimum mm. um you might have parts of the family that say oh they're dipping they're, they're dipping into the um estate but mm. i i think it would be only fair and reasonable to say you know it's going to cost you money to raise the kids um take a lump sum just as a gift to yourself yeah and doing the job <laughs> And yes, I mean, I wouldn't want to see her die and it be part of her estate, but right, um, yeah. But you know, there. I think that if there are concerns that the executor and the or the trustee and the guardian can't work together, um, right. And I think that that's where you know every model that you work with, you have to be chatting with a professional um, because yeah. you know we've got to make sure that the relationships underpin the documents. So. Um, but you're right; it is an enormous job, and yeah, we want to make sure that people can do it freely. Yep. Even if you, and, oh, you go, sorry. No, you go. Um, I think one other thing that I've done in my own that is really helpful is I have said, um, you know, one of our highest values is that our children are raised in a loving environment and that it is stress-free or as stress-free as it can be for our guardians. And so our highest value with the pool of money that we would be leaving behind is that they have a good childhood and we have not, um, insured ourselves to try and achieve a nest egg for each child. I'm not looking to leave a property deposit. I want yeah. you to spend it all in their childhood. Um, so, you know, just those guiding principles. Yeah, that's really good. Mm. Um, okay, so that that um, situation we've chatted about there, that I guess is we're really talking about there, a young family yeah. and probably both parents have passed away. Yeah. Um, but I guess even if if you've written that up together, as a couple, that's also if only one of you passed away, that's it's still going to be of a, a good exercise to have done that together. Yeah. Um, the next one you wanted to chat about, which I'm really looking forward to, this one is um, a blended family because that yeah. that is so um, common these days too, and it must have some different dynamics to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it. I mean, look, they are just so complex, and um, this really does need a bespoke approach. 
But I think um, the starting point that I'll say is that if this is you, you don't actually have to plan as a couple. Your interests might not be aligned um, and you are welcome to go and see a different solicitor each. And I've had that quite a bit with um, clients this year. And it really means that when we're doing our planning, we can put what we want on the page because, um, you know, we're not moderate, moderating ourselves. We're just um, achieving one person's wishes. So yep. a couple of examples of what we have done with some clients this year is um, creating more than one testamentary trust. So what's the money that we are happy to lose possibly yep. um, to the surviving partner and what do we really want to make sure gets to our bloodline children and so you know that might be making sure that the bare minimum to pay the mortgage off goes to testamentary trust number one um, and then the balance of the residue goes to testamentary trust number two and that the, the surviving spouse is excluded from that they're not a nominated beneficiary so what you're saying sorry lucy just sorry um, yeah clarify there so We've got a couple who have children together. Children, some children together. Some together and, and some, some not, not. Yeah. Some not together. Okay. So each party is maybe going to want to leave funds. They're going to want to leave funds to the spouse. Yeah. Yeah. The current spouse, but not to the current spouse's children, children that aren't theirs. Yeah, that's that right. right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we cool. we don't want to gift to the spouse in their name outright because then yep. it simply will fall into their will. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, the approach that we've taken in a couple of instances is going, what's our obligation to our spouse? And yep. we know that it's a roof over their head. Um, yeah. You know, so we have left enough to pay off the mortgage in testamentary trust number one. And then what yep. we've said in the letter of wishes is, they're the nominated beneficiary, but um, that paying off the mortgage should be structured as a loan. And when the children are 18 or 25 and move out of the home, I expect that spouse to downsize and bring the money back in. And oh, great. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, we have no legal control over whether or not that would happen. Um, yeah. We, in this case, again, um, we put a joint controller on that money. So the surviving spouse and a joint controller. Um, and what we said in the letter of wishes was, look, we would really love to see this money flow back to my child um, at, to the exclusion of my stepchildren. But if there's conflict and if it's not working, don't die on the hill about this. Testamentary trust number two also has money protected for them. Remove yourselves as trustees. You know, my paramount yeah. highest value is that relationships are maintained and, you know, it's not stressful. So we're going to have a crack um, that if it if it falls apart, you know, just step back gracefully, resign, let them go. The money might be lost, and we all move on. So, uh, what I love about what you've just described there is it's the classic case I think of um, without putting. You know, I, I mentioned this at the start of the last episode is you know, people quite often get bogged down in hearts. Oh, so, you know, I've got to do a will, and it's mm. this boring document but when we actually start with the discussion about your circumstance and what you want to see happen there's a classic case of someone who's who's really got multiple needs yeah to fulfill and and some may be in conflict potentially and it's just pre-thinking that yeah and pre-thinking the solution and that's a great solution isn't it yeah and look it's it might not work but it is a happy medium between 
fixing the trust and leaving the spouse yeah. out of control and attracting litigation and doing nothing, you know, um, that's that's how I see it. But it's, surely it's better than um, have just done a vanilla will that oh, has, hasn't considered any of those potential, more than potential problems. They're, they're not, it may not even be problems, but it, they're circumstances that exist. Mm, that's yeah. great, yeah. Um, anything else on on that blended family one? No, I think I think the point is that um, blended families do need a lot of um, extra strategy help, yeah. and, um, and you are going to have to invest. Um, but hopefully, that really illustrates that your advisor can help you come up with a strategy that fits your um, assets, your obligations, yeah, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one we we're going to chat about, which we also did chat to Tara about too, yeah. um, the family with older kids or adult kids. Yeah. Um, talk us through that one. Okay. So, I mean, I think the first thing when I think of is, um, well, my parents' generation. So, you know, um, siblings who are at that really busy life stage, um, raising kids, maybe, you know, advancing career, all those sorts of things. Um, and I actually polled my Instagram the other day, could you um, manage a trust and share a trust with your siblings Yeah. Right. or could you not? And it was about 50-50 yes, no. So that was... It was <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, it was more than I thought. So um, the first question that we ask baby boomer parents is, do you think your children could share a trust or do you yeah. think that they, we're going to need to leave them a trust each and are there enough assets to do that? Um we talk so much about the relationships between siblings because obviously the asset protection is just amplified when we can have siblings share a trust or um, oh, yeah. yeah, or control a trust with each other. But if the relationships don't support that, then what's plan B? So, uh, And that would, this would be a common thing, wouldn't it? Because yeah. there's, there's heaps of um, circumstances where siblings, mm. they mightn't hate each other, but they might just rub each other up the wrong way or... Well, and you know, as they've got older in life, they're not really that good of friends or whatever. That's right. Different values, um, different yeah. tolerance for risk, um, mm. different, you know, their uh, relationships and marriages might be at different stages. Yeah. One might be wanting to pull a heap of money out because they're safe and secure and the other might be thinking, you know, I might be leaving in 12 months. Yeah. So, again, just, you know, I think the first thing, if we're putting everyone in one trust, I say the same thing Um go and get advice, tax and, and accounting advice and financial planning advice about the implications of splitting the trust. Don't keep stay together and litigate. I'd prefer to see yeah. you pay the stamp duty or lose some of those tax benefits than to try and stay together for 20 years and hate it. Yeah. Relationships yeah. are paramount. So, um, but I think we need to give kids the out or we need to talk to them about that. Um, the other thing that I... So would you put that in the letter of wishes, would you, that if that got to that stage, I'm yeah. okay with, you know, you're, you're writing, I'm okay with this if you do it? Yeah, I just say, yeah. you know, like go and get your accounting and tax advice and yeah. um, weigh it up with the cost to your relationship with each other. Yeah. And sometimes we just need to pay for um, a problem to go away and I'd prefer you to have a good relationship than be holding on with both hands to these tax yeah you know, tax benefits, like who cares? Um, that's really the wrong answer. No, it is. I, I totally agree. I've, <laughs> I've actually just got off the phone from a client telling her the same thing. You tax yeah. sometimes is the tail wagging the dog. And, yes. um, you know, the, the pursuit of saving tax sometimes results in some crazy decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's so good. Yeah. So we talk about that. The other thing that I ask clients um, at that age is, if not all of your children have 
children themselves, what would you like to happen to their inheritance? So the great thing about using a testamentary trust is that I'm not gifting 50% to each child and then it's going to flow through their will. I can yeah. I can let you both use the trust, but when the when the child who hasn't been able to have children passes away, I'd really love to see what I left flow back um, to their nieces and nephews, my grandchildren. Um, I I sort of struggle saying that. It sounds like a really yeah. um, terrible thing to say, but I act for my clients, and I know yeah, that that's what most do. clients want. So yep. um, I help facilitate that a little bit in the letter of wishes. We might address it. Um, yeah, and we touch yep. on it. Um, let me just check my notes. The other thing that I talk about is um, when we when we've chosen controllers and we've fixed them in the trust. Um, yep. I might say we've chosen to give you a lot of flexibility. You, as the surviving spouse or partner, are the sole trustee and appointor. But in the letter of wishes, I might say, but if you repartner, I really want you to bring on my sister one of the kids as a co-controller for that transparency. Yes. And I think that then, you know, that, that, that transparency and that clear is kind will let the family move on. You know, mum or dad's repartnered. Yeah. We all know that that step parent won't, you know, be a challenge at the end of the day. And we've all got the freedom to just let, let that surviving parent have that new relationship. I think that everybody deserves to be able to repartner yeah. if they want. And again, if if the structure supports that possibility, because uh, I, I would guess this is where problems start, is like when it doesn't support it, everyone gets defensive, right? And then yeah. if it does support it, it's like it's been pre-thought of and we can roll on. Well, that's it. I mean, I don't want anyone to sit there and think, mum would never have allowed this to happen. And I think she probably would have. Like she, yeah. I, I assume that she loved dad, you know, if it's a... Um, you know, nuclear hetero relationship. I, you know, I'm going to assume that mum loved dad and mum contemplated dad repartnering and she just wanted yeah. to be happy. Um, you know, so I just think people can assume um, or read too much into it that we wanted this money protected, protected. And I have a line in mind that says, um, I understand that, you know, benefits will flow to that new partner, whether that be they live in the house rent free or. Yeah. X, Y, Z, um, I don't expect that new partner to be completely cut out of benefiting. Um, I just don't want them to get their hands on like the capital or <laughs> yeah. my husband's whole estate when he dies. So yeah, yeah just a little bit of um, guidance for people to be re reasonable. Well, and I think the thing is even just the fact that um, it, someone may be able to pick up a letter where they've seen that their mum even mm. contemplated a partner um, yeah. really yeah. is is the part that probably leads them to think, well, she thought about this, Dad, and her talked about this, and yeah. it's all cool. I don't need to um, go in fighting for the the memory of my mum and all that sort of thing, yeah. um, which I guess this is what can happen, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I just think, um, yeah, it's that freedom for people to just, just be happy for them. As, as yeah. long as we know that we took the steps um, you know, 20 yeah. years ago to lock away a portion for you. And we've done that. And now everyone can, um, you know, not be tied together. Yeah. Yeah. So I really feel like what you've, the, the three examples you've given us there, it's really just highlighting to me that the importance of, you know, even writing that to some degree, do you, mm. do you feel nearly like um, 
that could nearly be the thing, the first thing that you do before you start a will. It's actually, that's, yeah, that's a really great comment. Um, it probably could be. And I think, um, yeah, and it, and it might be part of, yeah, like I say, that the process of thinking about, well, what is coming in and do my yeah. pictures, are they reasonable with what's actually yeah. going to be there at the end of the day? That's right, yeah. And I think for a lot of people it would help them um, start getting in that headspace of thinking about that, a time where these Mm. events might occur either death mm. or um incapacity you know incapacity yeah yeah um that's great one of the uh, other things i'd love to ch- chat lucy and we can't let you go without chatting about this because it's um it's just a fantastic thing you've done Thank you. is you've created a course uh specifically designed to help people just everyday people become more informed about the estate pro planning process and it's in such an informative way but as an accessible way Thank um, you. tell us tell us about that yeah yeah I have an online course that's called future proof your family an estate planning yep. course and it really is designed to be a first step education material so I yeah. know and you would know I think my clients typical journey is that they realize they have a problem but it you know still takes them six to 12 months yeah. to, to make that first booking. Um, and this is designed for those people in that in-between stage. I know I've got a problem. I don't know the size of it and I certainly don't know what to do about it. And um, it's four topics. What's an estate plan? Um, and that is we want to look at planning for before death and after death. And we are wanting to make sure that we pass control for assets inside and outside the estate. It's yeah. really simple. The second topic is all about your will. Um, so you'll learn about the executor, testamentary trust, the different types of gifts you can make, choosing a guardian. Um, and then topic three is enduring power of attorney about your financial matters. And then topic four is about your medical decisions. So it's the basics of what people need to know. And it's just um, everything that I share in my first meeting with clients. And I really did record it that way. Um, it's literally just all the examples that I share with my clients and what yeah. I would tell you if you were sitting across the desk from me. So the thing that I love about it is it takes around about two to three hours, doesn't yeah. it? Two and a half hours two to do the whole hours. course? Yeah. And uh, what's the cost for the course? $149. So, so that's really just brilliant because to, I think a lot of cases people think, well, I'm feeling uncomfortable because I don't yeah. really understand what I'm going to do and mm. I don't understand all the things that are involved, but I'm getting asked to hand over two or three grand to someone. And so this is a great introductory way to say, okay, well, get some confidence, get some mm. understanding of what you're going to be talking about. And for such a great um, one-off cost of $149, it's brilliant, I think. Thank you. Um, how would people access that or find that? Beautiful. It's um, on my website and it's also uh, the link on my Instagram bio. So uh, when, when you launch this episode, <laughs> I'll gift two people um, I'll gift two people the course when you launch this episode. It'll be, yeah. We'll... Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well done. Okay, well, we'll fire that out. Um, just give us your website address um, now you. because um, I, we do put it in the show notes, but um, sometimes I think people, people just prefer to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Um, www.headandheartestateplanning.com.au. And then they can just find the links to the course in there. Yeah. Thank um, you. 
Absolutely brilliant. Um, anything else you'd sort of like to add to a bit of inspiration for clients to not only get their estate planning done, but even if they have done it, mm. um, yeah, they might have done it and not added this letter of wishes. So well, probably one of the things we should have added here, Lucy, is the letter of wishes doesn't can just be updated and signed at any yeah. time, can't it? It's not a legally binding thing. It doesn't have to be witnessed by JPs and all sorts of things. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, anything sort of you'd like to leave as a bit of inspiration for those people? Yeah, look, I think what I would say is um, it doesn't have to be formal. Even if you, if you know something that you want to pass on, I actually encourage um, people to leave voice memos or record a note. Just start popping things as they come to mind in your phone. Um, so that could be, um, you know, some some three takeaways that I'd love people to do is um, yeah. do a digital asset register. Make sure that you've got some, oh, yes. yeah, you know, it's just, um, and that is part of the letter of wishes that we didn't speak about, but it's something that everybody could action today. Um, vote, so yeah. that's just an important one because mm. tell us just briefly about that. Uh, digital asset yeah. register and how that can impact if it, if mm. if it's not on there. Yeah, so we don't have the right as executors or attorneys to access anybody's email accounts, um, LinkedIn, mm. Facebook, all those sorts of things. Um, privacy laws just prevent us passing that control or, you know, um, it will not be passed. And so you've got all of this information that might be lost forever um, or you might have all this information that's stuck on the internet forever. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you can put a password manager on your browser and it will collect your passwords over the next few months. Um, you can export that as an Excel sheet and you can um, keep a hard copy. Be very, very careful. Do not um, store the master yes. password in one spot. Um, I don't know what the actual solution is, but what I tell clients to do is if you have a password manager that has one key password, write it down, cut it in half and give one half to one person and one half to someone else. So never <laughs> store them together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think definitely something that everyone can do is put that on their internet browser straight away. Um, really simple. I shared this in my newsletter the other day. Your phone will also have an emergency contacts um, that you can add so that people um, don't need your password to get in. So, um, yeah, yeah, just little. Oh, steps. great! Yeah, yeah, yep. that's a good one. Yeah, beautiful. Um, well, that's great, Lucy. Thanks for coming in and chatting to us about that that um, part of the process because I really feel like um, it's it's just something that everyone should, even if they've yeah. got a will and uh, powers of attorney done. Mm. Um, it's something that I just feel is an evolving document. You think you'd want to update it regularly, mm. just with your, your current thoughts on things, or or things change. Yeah, it's like a handbook for your life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances, and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Lucy. It really is great 
I think when you speak to someone who's got real life experience and um, real life stories, because it, it really does bring those examples home, uh, I think a lot more when it's a real life example. And no doubt lawyers like Lucy have um, plenty of real life examples. Uh, I just wanted to touch again on Lucy's um, fantastic online course that she's put together just really to educate people on the decisions they need to make in relation to estate planning. It's $149. It's on our website, headandheartestateplanning.com.au. I've been working through the course myself just to see what it's all about. It is, it is really, really good. And I, I just think that's great for people because it can be um, somewhat confusing. The last thing I wanted to say is Lucy did kindly um, make available two free courses and we're going to pop something into our Grasses Greener Facebook group during this week. So if you're not a member of the Grasses Greener Facebook group, I encourage you if you want to be in the running for those, certainly join the group and we'll be popping something through during the week and hopefully you're the lucky winner. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.